my like, students will be like, when did you know you want to be a professor? And I'm like, I didn't and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> If you order tea from a place that is like that doesn't care about tea, you might get crappy tea. That is possible. Okay. However, you gotta go to like a, a place that has good tea. A lot of places have decent tea. Here's the other trick, and you don't ever have to do this, but you're certainly welcome to. You have my cell phone number. You can just text me and be like, hey, what here's the picture of the menu. What do I want? He becomes my tea guy. I can I tell you I'm Will I, you remember what this was? I already knew, I, okay. I know what it is. Okay. It's marriage frere. And if you go okay, to a will nice you text place, it to me? Yeah. Okay. Well, so well, that's as great a time as any to, to tell for the people listening at home. For the Steepers at home, we are drinking Marish Frere Marco Polo. It is a phenomenal I'm loving it. black tea. I'm loving it. And, you're and I'm a this, coffee gal. You're hearing it from a non-tea drinker. And I'm a, I'm a true, like I get a migraine if I don't have coffee. I'm a, I'm a coffee. Mm. I'm addicted to the caffeine. I like when you stare down the barrel. I'm addicted to the caffeine. Can these people see me? Yeah. Everyone at home, I'm addicted. Uh, I'm mentally ill. <laughs> that's a separate topic no can... and not that people who are addicts are mentally ill okay cut that part out yeah cut it out cut it out cut it um but no this is amazing for those sleeping at home just so you know not typical of a black tea you're gonna see this for a little longer so it's it's gonna be around 200 to Why 212 does this in one five get minutes steep longer what's the tea science it is the that? way so this particular tea the way that it's made they recommend a longer steep time oftentimes people think when you steep longer it tastes better but sometimes for example if you over make it stronger if it's caffeinated, okay. yes. Okay. If you oversteep something like a green, it becomes more bitter the longer you steep. With a black one, it can become a little more bitter, but it also will definitely be stronger in caffeine. I'm content. about to ask a question that is so stupid mm -mm. that it might make you rethink even having had me on this podcast. I think we just cut your episode now. What is steeping? Steep? No, that's not. Why is that <laughs> stupid? Heating? That's, no. Putting in water. Yep. Okay. That's what you're doing. You're submerging your tea into hot water. I'm using my, uh, I was using my context clues. You're great. Um, but a lot of times what you're doing, so we'll go with a green tea, for example, because I was just talking about that. Good. It's opening up the leaves and getting the aromatics out of the leaves mm. into the water. That's all it is. I want to, I want to go back to something we were just talking about. Yes, please. I, I made a comment. I, I uh, proudly said I'm in therapy and you said that you love therapy. Do you love therapy hearing that other people are doing it or do you love doing it? All of it. I mean, I love my therapist, Dr. Barbara. Been with her for a long time. You call her by her first name. Dr. Barbara. Oh, should I Made call? the mistake of recommending her to Megan Gailey, friend of the pod. Love Megan Gailey. And now I'm in such competition with Megan, you know, because okay. Megan will be like, Dr. Barbara sent me a baby gift. And I'll be like, she did? <laughs> you don't even have a baby and you're like, where's mine? Exactly. And, and I always ask Dr. Barbara who her favorite client is. And I'll be, I, you know, I will text uh, Megan and just be like, um, What's the longest that Dr. Barbara has stared at you without saying anything? Because sometimes Dr. Barbara, and I asked Dr. Barbara, I was like, what's the longest you've sat there staring at a client and not said anything? And she said for a whole session once we just sat there silently. And then Megan, I don't think she would mind me saying this, said Ooh, she once talked through the whole session and didn't let Barbara say one word. That's, and I was like, that tracks. Love. That tracks. Yeah, no, she's so good. I think I'd had one bad therapist before, not like damaging, but just like, I didn't know anything about therapy and mm. this woman wasn't, she gave me a Playmobil stop sign to stop negative thinking. No. And then oh, two weeks later gave it to me again. 
like had forgotten that she had given it to me. She was an elder, an elderly woman. She also had me do these dopey like visualization things um, that were so dopey. She had a, like a British accent and she would be like, lay down my bad British no, accent. No, I like it. This was at a time when I was running the show with Lynn Molly. Have you had her on a pot, the pod? Can I tell you something? We were supposed to have Lynn Molly on last week. Timing didn't work. We're having Lynn Molly. Everyone is listening. Lynn Molly, Lynn Molly is on this season. We're in season two. She will be on this season. We couldn't get her on last week. So we ran this backyard show in a friend's backyard. Wait, was this Wolf Den? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like 30 people, you know. It's very small. And yes. I was telling this therapist, this I'm not going to say this therapist's name because I'm, you know, even though, again, I would say yeah. doctor first. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Dr. Helen. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, everyone heard it. Go tweet it, Dr. Helen. So she would have me lay down and then, you know, she was like asking me, I was like, oh, I'm stressed that my show goes well, whatever. Much newer to stand up at that time before yeah, yeah. I was jaded. Before, yeah, before, and, you, before you were rags to riches story. Yeah. I don't know about that. So anyway, she had me close my eyes and she goes, okay, you're at your show. It was in a neighborhood, tiny neighborhood in Silver Lake. She goes, there are 30,000 people there. And I was like, this is so stressful. Why would there be 30,000 people? The fire department would be called. Yeah. There's where are they all going to sit? Where are they going to sit? Like, why could, you know, and then everything was like that. I was stressed about, like, I was trying to, um, you know, I'm a writer. I was trying to write a book at that time. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, you're on the beach. You're holding your book. Oprah is there. Oprah walks up to you and says, I want that book for my book club. I was like, what is going on? And Oprah's book club wasn't even So you're in the around. backyard and you're also on the beach. These are two separate oh. visualization techniques. Yeah, they didn't all. She was so bad. All this that... to say, I think when you finally get a good therapist, you're mm. like, oh, this is how it can be. Like, this is how it can feel. Do you, does Barbara, or excuse me, does Dr. Barbara, I don't Thank like you. Barbara. <laughs> Thank you. Does Dr. Barbara accept insurance? Um, she, I used to be on a better insurance, uh, when I was employed Dr. by USC. Dr. Chris does not accept insurance. Now I'm adjunct. I pay for my own insurance. She no, when she did accept mine, it wasn't fully, it would like shave off a little, but it's, I only see her every other week. And I think that's good. Cause I like save up what I want to mm. say. I also, we've been together for a while. And one of my big problems is like, um, avoidance, Sure, you know? And so anytime thing, anytime we would get close to me being really vulnerable and really honest I would stop coming like I would make I would sort of like ghost oh wow and part of that was the you know I'd be like I can't afford it right now but it also was just like I was scared yeah and something through the pandemic she's been with me through a lot of breakups she's and then through the pandemic finally something happened where I just started being as honest as I've ever been with anyone like with a therapist for sure or anyone and in many ways, I feel like she like saved my life, you know? I mean, my life was ne wasn't ever threatened, but the feeling of, um, and I'm much more anxious than depressed. I'm not really a depressed yeah, person. Yeah, we're the same, yeah. Jews. Yep. But the feeling of finally saying something to someone that you have never said to anyone and just being like able to and safe and witnessed, I think, yeah. I just think I can't thank Dr. Barbara enough. My students had to write a letter of gratitude to someone in their life like a second grade assignment, but it, I like it. it was really moving to me yeah. to read all their letters of gratitude. And someone wrote to their therapist and I was like, fuck, I got to write a letter of gratitude to Dr. Barbara. You should. Yeah. I told her that. I was like, I got to write you a letter of gratitude. Yeah. I, I love that. I think, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I started seeing, 
my therapist because Jess and I had gotten in a really, really, or Jess and my girlfriend, Jess and I got in a really, really bad car accident. And um, I'm sorry to hear that. When did that happen? Uh, April of last year, April 30th. Oh um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't that. doing comedy. I couldn't really walk for a little while. Oh yeah, gosh. I wasn't doing comedy for a while. Jess was pretty hurt too. And, um, and we and I just wasn't doing stuff, but I was suffering from really significant PTSD from the accident, all this kind of stuff. And um, it was really interesting to have uh, start seeing Doctor Chris because what ended up happening was um, I I would say something to him, and I would go, "I've never said that to anyone before." And, yeah, same. And, and he would look at me and go, "How does it feel now that you have?" And I was like, "Uh, scary." And he goes, "Sure." But let me ask you a question. M- manageable? Like, can you can we can we sit with the scariness, but know that 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 it's now safe with me too? That now it's safe with both of us. And I was like, yeah, I yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And he's like, when you leave here, I want you to think about the fact that like when a lot of this scary stuff is in your head, now you know, oh, well, don't you don't you don't have to worry because like it's I have it too. Oh, that's so and I was sweet. like, I was like. I, I understand that. Like I, I'm a very uh, I, easy cry. I me cry too. All the time. And yeah. I, I think that was also part of the being vulnerable. Is now I cry through the entire session, every session. Oh, I love. <laughs> I'm a just cry. such a now. I'm and before it took me a long time to do that. I will cry. But she will anything. push back on me. I don't think of her as confrontational, but she will. She doesn't let me get out of things easily. You know. I'm nervous now because I don't feel like Dr. Chris pushes back on me. Interesting. Should he? I don't know. I don't know. I think if he's helping you, he's helping you. You know. How do you? How does one understand whether or not something is helping or not in that context? Does it make your life? Is does your life? Does it feel easier moving through your life? I have a trusted outlet now that I didn't have before. Yeah. Okay. So then I guess that's the game. Yeah, I think what we want is for a therapist to fix all our problems, and they can't do that. But can they like make it easier to move through the world? You know. Yeah, I think that I used to treat stand up as therapy, which is not healthy at all. Um, Meaning in what way? I would I would be very... Okay, I'll give you a really good example. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a joke that I say on stage where I talk about the fact that um, my first kiss was with um, a 5'10 Jamaican girl named Natasha. And uh, the whole premise of the joke is that she just says that it was her first kiss too. And then she told all her friends I kissed like a white boy. And the joke is like, how white must I kiss that it was her first kiss too? And she's still new. Um, like yeah, that's, that's funny. I never heard that. Yeah, it, it's fun. But here's the other piece of the puzzle that I don't say on stage. Mm-hmm. The part that I don't say on stage is that after I had my first kiss with Natasha, uh, I told someone that I loved and trusted. And they said, you wasted your first kiss on a black girl? Oh my God. Yeah. And that made me, I felt like and I you didn't. You grew up in New York? Yeah. This feels like something that happens in No Offense. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. I love how you didn't say it. It happens in No Offense. And then you're like, Arkansas, yeah. Alabama. I yep, don't know. Yep, yep, yep. Places I've never been because I feel like they've never seen a Jew before. Right. That's why I don't go there. <laughs> um, but someone had said that and it really hurt me. And it made me feel a lot of shame and embarrassment. And I didn't know why because I didn't hadn't felt it before. And probably like fear just, you know, about being around that kind of like bigotry, even though it wasn't towards you. It was, you know. Yeah, it was just like I felt all these different kinds of things. And I kept telling that joke on stage being like, oh, this is kind of me dealing with it. I've made it funny and now it's fine. But. I wasn't talking about the other part of it. I never told that other part of the story. And finally being in therapy was a really nice way where I was like, oh, that wasn't therapy. This is right. Being able to be in the room and say the part that I can't say on stage because I can't make that funny on stage. Right, right, right. And I don't know that I want to. 
Um, right. so, so I think like I used it in my head, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like share these stories and like spin them in a fun way. And like, this is my therapy. And then it was a really nice realization to be like, Hey, I can still do that. But like being able to be in the room and say, say it down the barrel, like that's what I need. Totally. And I'm like, I'm, I mean, everybody has a different outlook on what stand up should be. And I think people's outlooks change the longer they do stand up. And yeah, yeah. but yeah, my thing is always like, I want to like, I want to be funny. So, yeah. yeah, there are some people who are just like, I just had to say that. Like, that was for me. And it's like crickets. And they're like, that's okay. I'm like, that, I, I, I have a real allergy to bombing. I'm like, I got to be funny. Oh, geez. I, man. <laughs> I will say, I said that thing about how I hate bombing, but I am trying to be looser about like being vulnerable on stage and how do I make it funny? Really? You know? Yeah. Are you, do- well, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. Are you talking about anything on stage right now where you're like, oh, this makes me nervous? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to retell any jokes. You don't have to. But, you don't have to poach jokes here. But I mean, um, like, or I think I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking more of like, you know, I'm a writer. Yeah, I got a PhD in literature and creative writing. That is such a stunning fact. But so, yeah, thank you. But we're I'm gonna sure. get into that in a second. But yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you sell a book? Like, I want to get to the to the very beginning of this. You are an incredibly talented. Well, it's not gonna be that. It's mostly my agents were like, we can't sell your collection of short stories because people don't buy short stories. I had a collection that I wanted to sell. That's amazing. I like short stories. Yeah, comedians like them. Some literary people like them. But I I can tell you just from running these book clubs, I cannot get these women to read a collection of short stories. They Flannery just O'Connor don't. Is just no one to them. They just want. They don't. It doesn't appeal to them. Okay. You know. Fine. Um, and it doesn't appeal to most of the reading public. I also, it was my ambition at some point to write a novel. So my agents were like, it's never going to feel like the right time. Sit down and begin one and we'll try to sell it. I have good agents too, I should say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Molly Glick and Anthony Matero at CAA are my book agents. Love it. Go, go team. Um, Molly, Anthony, we love you. And yeah, please put this out. I'm sorry that I've not responded to you guys. I am writing it. I'm very slow. Um... I'm writing it more like I write a short story, which is to say every time I sit down, I read everything I've written before. And um, so it makes the going really slowly. However, I feel much better than I did about the first draft that I like shat out. Yeah, it's a vomit draft. Oh, and that draft, I mean, someone showed up with a gun. Like, who knows what I was writing, you know? Um, So hopefully when I get to the end of the second draft, it'll look... It'll be better. It'll be, yeah, it'll be better. Are we allowed? Is it inappropriate for me to ask kind of like broad strokes what it's about? I don't want to talk about what okay. it's about. We don't have to? We Probably because I don't know yet. I'm okay, like lovely. watching it. But if you if you have your phone, if you look on my Twitter, it has the publishing announcement there at the top. And my editors and agents wrote what they think it's about. And, and I literally like, read it and was like, is this what it's about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. How is it a completely different brain to write a book versus writing jokes? It's got to be like, or or do you feel like you've learned you can apply some lessons you've learned from writing comedy to the book or vice versa. That's such a good question. I think it all, I'm okay. everything's grist for the mill. Yeah. Gristle for the mill or grist, grist, for, grist, the grist for the mill? Yeah. I knew gristle can be right. Um, yeah, it's all It'd be a much dirtier expression. Every now and then I'll say in a joke, a line from a litter from a Lori Moore short story. I love, um, and I don't give her credit in the joke, but she says a character has grown up in the long shadow of her father's neglect. And then I talk about women who are obsessed with cum and like giving blowjobs. And I'm like, did you grow up in the long shadow of your father's neglect? I mean, <laughs> like stuff is... like that that I think, you know, ends up. One of my characters is a stand up comedian. Love. Um, and her name is Shmamey. 
no, no, no. Uh, the 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 characters who are me are never who people think when they're uh, reading it, you know. Or every character's you, and every character's not you, you know. It's so funny. I did um I did a web series back in the day, and um everyone who watched it uh would was just like, oh my god, I love and the character. It was about two exes named Ben and Lena, and everyone's like, oh my god, like I you were like so Ben, and I was like. Actually, I'm Lena. Lena is the one based on me. Um, well, and the reading public is just very, not the reading public. I shouldn't generalize. It, people are not used to fiction anymore. It's very strange. It's I my think favorite thing. Because they read so many like medium articles and essays or what is, my students call short stories articles. It is so odd. They'll be like, I liked the article from the New Yorker and I'll go, it's the sh- it's a short story. And then the way they talk about it is they'll be like, why was he so mean? Like he's a real person. And I'll say, well, it's a character. You know, it's just a very weird. Um, so when people read my fiction, they're always like this. They want to think that it was about you for whatever reason. And I hate essay. I hate memoir. I oh, only yeah. want to make it up. I want to hide from myself. Yeah. Um. Something I'm talking about in therapy. And uh, yeah, stand-up is as yeah. close as I get to talking about myself. And of course, that is a persona in whatever way. I mean, I stand-up think everyone's is, is a persona. Yeah, and what I'm getting as close to possible is being myself on stage without being unfunny. Yeah, I think it's, I, I remember um, the way, so, so Jess saw you perform and she really liked you. And she goes, what was the name of the She's girl? Great taste. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> she goes, well, definitely in, in, in uh, partners. She said. That's what I meant. She, uh, me too. She said, uh, she goes, who is the, um, um, the, really, the really smart woman who talked about a uh, tiny cum man? And I go, oh, that, so that's really, she's hitting the nexus. She, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like. Thank she, you. She, unders, she understands that you're incredibly smart and also remembered very clearly one of your jokes that is. I wouldn't say the antithesis of like brainy, but like filthy. But, it's about cum. It's about yes. cum. And like but in a literary way, that's what I'm going for. So I thank her. I thought that was so cool because essentially it was like if fully recognizes, she could tell from just the way that you communicate that there's so much going on in your head. There's a lot of really smart cranks moving. And also you don't take yourself so seriously. You can't make a joke about cum. Like, it's funny. Well, that's so nice. I mean, th- I thank her. I'm going to have to thank her. Yeah. I, I love how you looked up. You're like, well, she's everywhere. She's with us here today. Um, You know, what I hate talking about with comedians is their careers. Oh, I don't really care. I'm just like, who cares? Well, I, I love to know about like, are your parents married? What's your relationship like? Well, are you friends with your siblings? I, I, so I actually want to, I, I want to chase that down a little bit because you asked if my parents were married. Is that because when I said I want to talk things out that you were like, oh, if your parents were divorced, then you, that's maybe why you'd want to talk things out? No, no, no. I just think our parents' marriages have a big impact yeah, yeah. on you know, what we've seen has a big impact on how we move through the world. Well, I actually think that's as good a time as any because it'll apply in a minute to go to our, our first segment. Are you ready for it? Yeah. It's called the Newly Friend Game. It's like the Newlywed Game, but we're friends. Okay. Um, the I'm going to ask you a question. You are going to don't answer it out loud. You're going to write down your answer. Okay. I'm going to try and write down the same answer as you. Okay. And see if we get it right. And then we'll do it for me as well. Okay. Sometimes the same question. Sometimes it's different. Okay. Um, <laughs> here's what here's what yours is going to be because um, we we talked about reading off the pod and on the pod. Um, if you were trying to convince someone that reading is a blast, if I came to you and said, "Tell me someone that would make reading fun for me." I really think the best thing for literary authors to be doing right now, even though I'm not doing it because it's hard, is to write a literary mystery because so many people want mysteries. 
I love mysteries. But I wrote this. I, I don't. I. I, I okay, go ahead. Okay, flip it on three. One, two, three. Oh, you're not the first person to recommend him. Who's Tom Robbins? Tom Robbins is amazing. Uh, Tom Robbins writes. Um, there's kind of like they're not straight ahead mysteries, but they're like books that have in them really interesting through lines where you don't actually know where it's where where he's going. He's layering things in that end up paying off What's down a, the line. Give me a recommendation. I'm trying to remember now what the name of that book was. I literally just read one of these. I got so excited. It looked like you were writing George. I thought you were going to write George Saunders. No, but you're not the first person to say that. I've I mean, not he's read a George really Saunders. Famous, um, he's kind of a famous short story writer, but he writes novels now. Um, and they're odd. They're often filled with satire. I'm literally writing him down on the bottom of my board because I... Wouldn't... I was watching a porn. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see if this is funny to see on stage too, so tell me. Uh, two women. I'm an adult. They sure. were, you know, going yeah. down on each other. Whatever and you're into, yeah. There was a book. They had George Saunders on next to the... Civil War land and bad decline. And I paused it. I'm like zooming in. I'm like, who, which of these women is reading George Saunders? Is that the woman going down on or the woman being gone down on? First is off, it the person who owns the the apartment? I got so distracted. I ended up just reading. I <laughs> just stopped. Um, number I one, I stopped jerking is, off. That is absolutely funny. And absolutely, we're saying on stage. Also, do you think Set Dad goes, okay, here's a here's a fun one to plant? Well, it was also here. weird books. It was like Malcolm Glad. Like somebody probably just brought a stack, but I was just like, who's reading Civil War Land and Bad Decline? Malcolm Glad. <laughs> um, I've read a lot of Malcolm Gladwell, but I'm just like, Malcolm Glad. It was a, it was such an that was what made me really get out of the moment, is that I had to pause and zoom in on these titles, you know, because I could see every title. And I was like, who is the person that's reading both Malcolm Gladwell and Civil War Land and Bad Decline? But we are large. We contain multitudes. I completely, completely. Who is my? Um, and I'm going to give you a couple of hints for this. Okay. okay. You're going to get some hints. Okay. Who is my favorite oh. current author? And here are your hints. This person has had multiple movies adapted from their books. Okay. And this person, I'm going to give a big, big hint here. But authors are tough. This person is not from the U.S. Okay. All these were made so far, and this is, I am still going. Uh, on the count of three, one, two, three, flip. Oh. oh Ian McEwen's a great guest. That's a wonderful but guest. Nick Hornby's, yeah, he's he's way more like, he's got poppy movies. Ian McEwen's I know. just like atonement. I don't know what other movies. Uh, who, Ian McEwen? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the one that I read when I was in high school. I read okay, atonement. Yeah. I thought it was he great. He has a new one out right now, Lessons. That's supposed to be good. Um, but I love Nick Hornby. Um, my yeah, he's, yeah, did you, I just read one of his. Which one? Um, after Juliet. Oh, or uh, Juliet, Juliet Naked. Naked. Yeah. Loved Juliet Naked. Also made into a movie. I can see why you like him. I Long love Long Way him. Down. That was a, I yep. love that one. That was yeah. made into a movie also. Yeah, yeah. No, he's I, got the pulse on how to make a book into a movie. I love him so much. The first book I read of his obviously was High Fidelity, but it was before the movie came out. Um, that's the end of the first segment, uh, but unless you want to oh. hang on to it. No, I do like Yeah, writing. you can hang on to it. Um, the first... I know the the guy who wrote the screenplay of High Fidelity. You do good guy. Um, I already love him. It's not going to fit. Um, I already uh, I already love this man. I don't know him, and um, I love the book so so much that I went. I've actually never read that, but I've seen the movie. The book is so much better. So unusual that, of course, they always are. I always think some mysteries the movie's better because I just think some like Gone Girl. I didn't like the book, but I like 
I didn't As read the I was book. reading the book, I was like, this is like an outline for a movie. You, they, you don't have the, when people really follow that outline close, mm. you often just don't have like the ineffable discovery of writing a good sure. novel. Sure. Of reading a good novel where the author is sort of having to go back and revise, go back, revise, go back, revise. Instead, they've, they've written this outline and are now following it to a T. So mm. as you're reading it, you know, I always say if the writers discovered something on the page, the reader will will read the discovery in the same sort of pleasurable way. That's so interesting because I think sometimes I adhere to outlines too closely. I mean, TV, you kind of have to, right? If you're doing TV and movies, I mean, that's why I'm I'm trying to get better at TV, but I'm not very good at it. I'm so unpretentious about TV. I'm watching MILF Manor. I'm loving MILF Manor. I'm watching any... Love I watched the 10 seasons of The Amazing Race during the pandemic. It went in one year, out the other. I disassociated. Every Love Island, every... And F Boy Island? All of it. Shout out to Brad Solnitzer. Is he a friend of the pod? He I produced love it. Brad. Well, I want to get Brad on. I love Brad. Yeah. He's so, he's, and I think very underrated. Um, yeah, I guess we, I think that about all my friends are underrated. I've heard you say that I'm underrated and I believe yeah. you. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, I was like, I do think you're underrated. Uh, uh, um, wait, what I was going to say is I am a little bit pretentious about books. Not pretentious. I just, a literary novel is different than a pop novel yes so yes and but, that doesn't mean that both don't have their place in the world and no of course um james patterson james but you know when james patterson john grisham pop yep you know what's a funny story about john grisham is this is a, something a writing professor that i was in love with this old man who had like a bad hip i've been in love with every writing professor i've ever had man or woman who so told i should me have I was taught, a good writer. I should have taught writing yep mm-hmm. uh oh and the, i think the first person who says you have it you know is the is you love them yes I'm still waiting My for that stomach. person. Um, you have it. Yeah. There. Now you're in love with me. Sorry. You're yeah, I was going to say, Jess. Girl, um, Jess, I need an adult. Oh, and one of my students, because I teach, I don't teach the major. I teach like GEs. And when oh, that's I, awesome. When a student is like, I every semester I get a few students that I like sit them down and I'm like, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a writer. Like you, you have it. That's you know? life changing. I hope that. they, but then they're like, how would I make a living? And I'm like, you do what I do. You re- you work a million yeah. jobs. You do book clubs. And they're like, that doesn't sound good. I'm going to law school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, pass. But I'm like, if you didn't, because you might not have known. And if you don't know, let me tell you that like, you're a writer. I think so amazing. There was oh, a great movie with um, uh, Gillian Jacobs about uh, where she is a writer and then goes back to her college to give a presentation on the book. And that then, sounds so good. It's wonderful. I also just think she's so what talented. Is, I, like I, I watch her, her in paint drawing. I'll, I'll give you the name after. Yeah. I don't remember. But the thing I was going to say before is the problem I run into, and I'm curious if you run into this because you're a reader, is when I have an author I fall in love with, Kurt Vonnegut and Nick Hornby being two of them, I will read so many of their books and then I'll stop because I don't want to run out. So I'll just stop reading their books because I don't want to. Oh, that's so cute. I, I don't want to run out of them. I was on yeah, a. I mean, you assume. Is Kurt Vonnegut still alive? No. You assume Nick Cornby will keep writing him, you know? Yeah, but I burned through all of his and then got really sad. So I, was... I don't. I guess I don't think that. Well, Jennifer Egan's an author where I like all her books. Zadie Smith is an author where I like all her books. Why does Zadie Smith sound so familiar? She's famous. Yeah, that would do it. Um, well, I always <laughs> think I'm like... most one of the most famous... She's British m- most famous contemporary fiction writers. When I think about now. like famous, I think like Amy Silverberg, Zadie Smith. Is that right? Amy Bender, one of my favorite writers, uh, teaches at USC... Great writer of short stories. Okay, what I was going to say about John Grisham, and I oh, think yes, this is yes, also, yes. I think this sums up stand up comedians too. There's this maybe wives' tale that it, where, somewhere where they were both teaching once, like University of Iowa has a great writer's program. He was sitting with an, and I don't know the other author he was sitting with, maybe John Updike, somewhere sure. like that. And John Grisham 
was complaining that people don't take him seriously. He's not known as a literary writer. And John Updike was complaining that he can't sell books and he doesn't make enough money. And that it's like, isn't that the truth of life that you always want the thing that you can't have? You know, hundred percent. Like I'm trying to remember what movie it was where there's one person who has a um, a beautiful family and never their career never took off, and there's another person whose career took off and never had a family, and they're sitting over a meal. And the one whose career took off just looks and he goes, he's like, it's got to be something special to watch your kids run like, around. I want what you have. And the other one goes, it's got to be something special to perform for 40,000 people. And, and the guy who performs for 40,000 people goes, yeah, but I'll never teach my kid to play catch. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I, mean, I, think, I feel like that's a good. That's the whole thing. Some good line I read. Um, I never remember where I read things. It's just like she's maybe it was the New York Monroe Post. or something talking about when you're in your 30s, you have to kind of look at your life and nod along to what you've created. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I don't, I, you're Whereas making like in me your feel 20s, you're still at the beginning of things. In your 30s, sort of your life has taken shape and you kind of have to nod along. Oh, my God. I, but I like that. I, I think your life has taken a good shape. Oh, maybe. I will say one of the quotes that I share this with Jess on our first date. I said, because we were getting it all out there because I was just like, I sound like you had real, you had real mental chemistry. I was, and still am over the moon for this gal. And I, and, and we, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we went to the, you know, we went to the soda fountain and it was lovely. Um, but I said to her, we were talking about everything, politics, religion, all that kind of Mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm. And I said, as far as religion goes, um, there is a quote that I love from Kurt Vonnegut from a book called Sirens of Titan. And I said, uh, and that's how I feel as far as religion goes. And that quote is a purpose of human life, no matter who is controlling it, is to love whoever is around to be loved. Oh, and, I, nice. and I said to her, I go, I am culturally Jewish. I do not go to temple. I don't do any of that. But what I will say is there's something in Judaism called Shabbat, where you have dinner on Friday nights and it separates your work week from your weekend and you surround yourself with people you love, good bread, good wine, light some candles. And I said, that to me is as close to the quote from Kurt Vonnegut as I can find, which is just about loving who's around to be loved. And as far as when you're thinking about whether or not you want to date me and see me long-term, those are the values that I adhere to. And just You know, like, you'd be a good teacher. Has anyone ever told you that? No. <laughs> I, are you just accepting the... me like you just did the thing where you're like, you're a writer. Did you know that? No, that you'd be, you have a, you have a nice, quality of explaining oh, your, thank you. your thoughts and feelings. But I remember I just like, like I, maybe I, there's a reason why there are a lot of comedians who are, I mean, a lot of teachers who are also comedians who are also teachers, teachers who are also. Is that true? Do you do you meet a lot of other comedians? Shout out to Liz comedians? Blanc. Shout out to some other. Um, I just know that it's a day job that a lot of Rachel Mack, um, a lot of people work. And Rachel's a teacher. Now she lives in Wisconsin, but she used to teach junior high here in LA. She doesn't live here anymore. Mm-mm. She's a baby. What? I know. People people grow. The pandemic literally just had things happen where you could just two years later have completely I, changed. I your think life. the quality of being a teacher is similar to qualities of being a comedian. And it's also just, I think, a job that you can do both. You know, you're not like working a, or I'm but professor's the easiest because I they're I think uh, it's really hard. They're over 18. So I don't have to like watch what I say. I can be myself. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, I don't teach Every day, I teach like two, two to three times a week. I'm also adjunct, so I'm not. It's much harder if you're like a tenure track. And I don't I'm wanna, like a what do they call it a a um part 
part-time? Free- freelancer. Freelance. Yeah. I was going to ask, I don't want to sound really dumb, but like I hear the word adjunct thrown around. What exactly does that mean? It means you have a, usually you have a PhD, but not always. Okay. And you're like being contracted out to teach particular classes as opposed to like, you don't work for, I don't work for USC on a tenure track. I was going to say, like, so you're teach not anywhere. I end up teaching a lot at USC and sometimes I'll TA for someone if they want me to. Oh, sometimes cool. I'll teach my own courses. It's just like whatever I can get to make a little money. As someone like you who My like, students will be like, when did you know you want to be a professor? And I'm like, I didn't and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, that's a great way, reason to cut me off. I was going to say, as someone like you who like has a lot of these passions, like down the down the road like if you could kind of paint your ideal life in a way that you're nodding along um in a way that what you're you're able to nod along with what you yeah. created yeah already i feel happy you know i this has been a nice conversation cuz i'm like i do feel happy with the life i've created well, I, I am nodding along i think you're like your life seems like pretty cool to me it and, is i mean i i think i make much less money as an adjunct than people realize okay that's fair um, yeah yeah i've got a this is inside baseball, but I have a new manager on my team who's getting me better, higher paid, out of town stand up gigs. Phenomenal, that's great. Um, and also trying to get me like creative writing gigs at colleges in like a stand up capacity, which would be very great. cool. Um, but I think I complain about teaching when in fact uh, I do love it, and I went a few years not teaching, and then I needed money, so I like you know, yeah, yeah. dragged myself back to USC to ask anyone. And I just was like, oh, this is so fun. It is the the best day job. I think writing and doing comedy can make you a little bit like self-absorbed. Sure. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your own shit. 100%. Even when you're writing and you're writing other characters, you're still just worried about yourself and being able to talk to young adults yeah. about their own problems and what they're going through. Uh, it forces me to not think about myself as much. If you like hypothetically speaking, if you you know had the the big stand up career and doing all that, do you think you ever might still like do like a like a uh, like one teach occasionally uh, like like a one day like a one day workshop? Of course, yeah, no, for like sure. I'm touring in in Iowa and I'm going to go to University of Iowa and we're going to do a three hour workshop about yeah, creative writing. No, for sure, and I also just like I like a I like the idea of like mentoring, you know, especially like young yeah. women. I was going to say, I could use one. But yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, well, young women too. <laughs> <laughs> or me. Um, you know, whoever. Uh, no, I mean, I feel like I'm surprised you've never thought about teaching. I feel like you, you know. No. I have two, two of my best friends. I, I, I'm still incredibly close to my best friends from uh, uh, high school. And uh, two of my best friends, both were going in completely opposite of teaching directions. Mm-hmm. My buddy was a senior in, in college thinking about becoming a lawyer. My mm-hmm. other one, my other friend had already become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. This one was thinking about becoming a lawyer. And started tutoring underprivileged kids in the Bronx, and we're all from New York, and just goes, oh, oh no, this is what I meant to do. Yeah. And he started uh, Yeah, teaching. I never I never set out to teach. Even when I was getting a PhD, I was getting yeah. a PhD because they, this creative writing PhD, they were paying you to write. And I was like, and I'm not into, a lot I'm of money, but I was like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they were, of course, like, well, part of why you get paid is you have to teach. And then I was like, oh, I have to teach, you know? <laughs> And then, of course, I love you get to be the boss. You're yeah. like performing. If I say something and the kids laugh, I like write it down. They all watch my stand up sets now. Like, does it's not a it's they're adults. It's USC. You had a very funny bit. And uh, and we'll get to the last segment in a split second. But you had a very funny bit where I feel like you wasn't it like a, a, a student of yours hit on you or something. He had he I don't want to like make you tell your jokes. No, but no. Like, this is this is on Comedy Central. But he wrote 
a story about wanting to fuck his teacher. Dear Lord. And he plays for the Seattle Seahawks or did. Did you ever think to tell him like, hey, my biggest problem with your writing is your lack of subtlety? I mean, I, mean, that- I was like laughing. I think that's part of my attitude towards it is like, I don't, I don't know how to say this. I don't make myself immune to them. They still make me laugh. Sure. They still, you know, and like, I don't take it too seriously. I don't take myself too seriously. I don't take them too seriously. Yeah. Maybe I'm a bit too informal. Maybe some of my um, colleagues who were in a different place than me, but when they do stuff that makes me laugh, I'm laughing. I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a joke now about, which is kind of based on reality, but not, you know, of course, what's reality and what's made up. I was going to say, who really, yeah, there's a, a, there's a fuzzy line. Who cares? A student um, didn't have my email address and couldn't figure out how to turn in a paper. And he commented on my stand-up sets on Instagram and was like, ha ha, very funny. How do I turn in the paper? I'm two weeks late. <laughs> I love that Which student. pretty much what, you know, and I was like, thank you for saying I'm funny. You upload it. <laughs> To Blackboard, this program. Oh, we used to use Blackboard. We used to use Blackboard. Oh, kill Other me. schools use Canvas. I'm so bad at technology. That's the worst part about teaching right now. How are you bad and at technology? Stand up. You're young. How are you bad at technology? I think we're the, about the are same we age. Young? We're I, in we're, our 30s. That doesn't seem young to me. It's youngish. Are you ready for our final segment? Oh, yes. It's the lightning round, so it's five oh. questions. They're fast questions. They don't have to be fast answers. Got I'm, it. You can draw on the board while we're doing this. I was going to draw a wiener dog, my favorite you can. shape. No, that's okay. So question one, what is a favorite ritual of yours? So mine is like brewing tea. What would you say is one of yours? I was going to say masturbating. That's it can stupid. Be. That's fine. Um, let me think. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, ugh, especially when I have a deadline. I like told Dr. Barbara how much pornography I've been consuming. <laughs> is Dr. Like, Barbara like, well, um, you know, maybe less. <laughs> she was like, people do different things to procrastinate. <laughs> Dr. Barbara's a saint. <laughs> she really is a saint. Um, I'm a big... I like a long, long shower. Love. And like to stay, like chill in my bathrobe for a long time. And um, I'm trying to do gratitude lists, right? Gratitude lists every evening. I am trying to do that. I can't tie together enough days of doing it. I always draw. You need a buddy. I've been doing it with a friend who lives in New York. We send each other our gratitude Do you like just text it? Yeah. Sometimes she'll take a picture of her writing one, but I've written one, but I text it. Does it help? I think it does because I think especially doing it the same time every day, like doing it in the evening makes me the next day. Subconsciously, I think you end up searching for things to be grateful for so that at night you'll have stuff to write down. And I think it changes your mindset because I'm looking around being like grateful, 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 as opposed to the oh, I love that. opposite. Um, love that. Okay. Question two. What is a running bit you have with a friend or partner that makes you laugh? Only five things. Only five. You need. Um, okay. I have a lot with my boyfriend. I think I pretend like he wants to fuck his dog. <laughs> um, Hold on. Hold on. He's Don't so in love that. with this dog. He wants to fuck this dog. And you just say it to, with other, when other people are around? Oh, yeah. And I, I put up pictures of the two of them like looking deeply into each other's eyes. He would <laughs> suck this dog's dick before his, he got his dog and he loves his dog. His sister had a dog who I was like, you guys are having an affair. This like big female poodle who would climb on top of him and like a make big out. big poodle? Yeah. And I have all these pictures of them looking like they're like having an affair. Oh my God. Um, he does a thing I think is funny with a, my vibrator where he pretends to knock himself out. <laughs> I don't know why I find that. It's I find funny. that very That's funny. That's the funniest thing he's ever done. Yeah. He's, and it, it, he sounds pretty funny. No, for, he's great. Not being a comedian, he sounds he's very, very funny. He's very funny, yeah. 
This I, vibrator broke a long time ago, but it was one of those big, it was like a cheap one on Amazon oh my and Lord. like a big one. And he would be like, <laughs> uh, how did we meet this guy, by the way? Quick side note. I'm Raya. Scared. You know, almost, it's always, almost, it's almost always hinge. Outside shot, it's Bumble. Raya is a rare one. Yeah. And he doesn't know how he got on it because he's, he does work in sports. I think they thought he was like a professional athlete, but he doesn't have a lot of, you know, he's almost no internet presence, which I like about him. Yeah. I was going to say, you probably like that. It's yeah. The, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Luddite club over there. Uh, Except he's never read a book. We've like nothing in oh, common. Dear Lord. <laughs> uh, question three: Can you do an impression of one or both of your parents? And it doesn't have oh to be a God, good yes, impression. Yes. Okay, I have a joke right now where for, my dad can't do anything without my mom. Okay. Yeah. My joke right now is his his two favorite movies, and he's such an anxious Jew. His two favorite movies are The Devil Wears Prada and Taken. Liam Neeson. Yeah, no, I, he I thinks know. Thinks of himself as like he was like if you ever got taken, like I would go get you. And I'm my joke is if I got taken, my dad would turn to my mom and be like, Nancy, do I have any special skills? <laughs> Can you go to Romania and get our daughter? I'll wait here. Um, one time you know my mom at work working full time and my dad was at home, and um, a bird flew into the house and uh-huh. he called her. He had like he he bothered her at work to be like, Nancy, there's a bird in the house. She's saving lives. Larry. And my and my mom was just like, open a window, you know, and he didn't. They, she came home and he like had a bird, a pet bird named Larry Bird. No, he did not. Your father. <laughs> I can't. Uh, he'll, he'll also call me, like interrupt me. Um, Like, you know, I'm whatever I'm teaching. I'm yeah. I'm doing something important. And he calls me over and over again. I think it's something important. And then he's like, what's the place with the meatballs I like? And I'm like, what is happening? Dad, it's Bay Cities. Let it go. Um, Probably like Buca de Bebo. He doesn't oh, have like good. Stop. Well, I'm, I'm from an area that's all only like chain restaurants. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a savory gal. So when other people are, now you have me saying gal. When other people are, are getting dessert, I'm like, I'll take the samosas. Oh my God. You and Jess, you would be best friends. Often my favorite people are like comedians, girlfriends. She's the best. And She's sometimes much better I'm just than me. like, escape yeah i mean you're a good comedian but i've seen some some amazing women that i'm like how did he trick you they're they're saw at the rec room a guy bomb and then his hot hot girlfriend rubbing his back as he eats chicken wings as he eats chicken wings after bombing first show i did after the pandemic jess came out to me and i go it was first show in a year and a half i go wow i still i could still do it how do you think i did she goes you rely a little bit on crowd work because I could tell you were nervous and you rushed a lot of your punchlines. You don't have enough faith in the audience anymore because you don't have enough faith in yourself. And I think you need to regrow that and get that back to where you want to be and then you'll be fine. And I was like, I would have just loved to, you were great. Would have been excellent right about She's that. She's giving it to you straight. And do you, you know, like that? I do. You like being given it straight. Let me tell you this. Was it hard to hear? Yes. Was everything she said correct? And did I also need to hear it? A hundred percent. Okay. All right. And also she's right in that don't ask if you don't want to know. You yeah. Know? Trust me. She reminds me of that every day. Um, question four. What the hell I do if you don't want the? <laughs> yeah, she gives she gives me the heat all the time. Um, question four: Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? And if so, is there a particular moment that kind of resonates for you? All the time. I mean, definitely trying to write a novel. I'm just like, will I do it? Can I do it? I'm a short story writer. I'm not a novelist. I don't know what I'm doing. I, that's so um, interesting to me. I I find you to be very um. What what would the word I would use be? So nervous. No, very um, demented impressively communicative and also you know there's an expression people use in 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 improvisation a lot which is playing to the height of your intelligence Mm. and i think that that you 
you do that in a way that is very friendly, digestible, and I think like that's the kind of thing you look for in an author. So well, thank that's you. Interesting that you. I don't... think in stand up, I only started doing that more recently. Really, I think my earlier stuff is pretty dumb and blue. I'm still blue, but I'm. I think I've just because I've gotten more comfortable. Like your girlfriend said, I trust the audience more to like be with me. You know. Yeah, but they often are. I. I mean, I, I'm. Try, I'm sure. No, I, but I mean, I think that's bomb, true in the last like four years. I've now I've been doing stand up. I think like eight years. I think in the first yeah, four, yeah. I was way more like, you got to hit them with these hard, dumb yeah. punchlines. I gotta get it. Especially you go to places like Madhouse. And I mean, they make you think that that is what you need. They a lot of those audiences want it. Or they what? don't like a longer story. And then I think the longer you do it and the more comfortable you get in your voice, right? Then suddenly you're like, oh, I can be myself. I trust myself. I just, just what she said. I just talk. I keep saying, is she upstairs? No, she's downstairs. Oh. But I do love that you keep pointing up. Um, I feel like she's upstairs. No, the upstairs is lofted. So she'd hear us real clearly if, if she were upstairs. Uh, I think when I first started teaching, I probably felt it a little bit, but no longer. Interesting. Okay. And I was all dressed like so like, you know, in like a blazer. Like I didn't want them to know that I was nervous. And now I'm like in a backwards baseball cap. I would prefer a teacher like that. Well, and you just realize like I do know enough and I know a lot more than they do. I also got a PhD in that time when I'd begun teaching. And yeah, I was going to say that's Lynn told me that you two were in the same master's program and then you got a PhD and she goes, I went into copywriting. And I was like, oh, stop. I was Uh, like, that's no. And Lynn's so smart and a great uh, writer. The final question for you, it's typically what's your favorite tea or comfort, but you don't drink tea. So what's your favorite comfort? I grew up in a family that did a lot of like eating when you were anxious. Jewish. Yeah. Jewish. Mm-hmm. Love a soup. <laughs> uh, I also like a fried food when okay. I'm feeling a mashed potato, you know. I live for mashed potatoes. Live for mashed potatoes. Um, I like an iPhone game. I'm just thinking comfort. I think I like, what do I do when I have anxiety and... Um, I love an iPhone game. Like? Um, well, during the pandemic, I got to level like 875 of Dr. Mario World and then they, on my phone, and then they ended the game, which was like, um, you know, I masturbate too and I'm anxious. Sure. <laughs> We've already brought that up. Uh, well, I do think that a lot of people do that. So you're, you're probably in good uh, company. Yeah. And I think I read, um, you know, re- books have certainly saved my life at different points. So has Dr. Barbara. I- Never has my life been threatened, and twice on this podcast I've said that things have saved my life. The very final question, this is not our lightning round, but just because you have this knowledge, throw out a a good book that people should read from an author that most people maybe don't know. Can we give a little love to an author? Sure. If you're thinking, if you haven't read short stories before, and you're thinking of being into that, I would say Amy Bender's Willful Creatures. Excellent. one I always recommend. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Love it. Um, Well, thank you so much. I hope you have fun. Thank you. We did it. And I love tea now. <laughs> that's that's the ending right there. That was Amy Silverberg. You can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Amy Silverberg. You can follow her on TikTok at Amy Silverberg Rules. Steep Conversations is produced and edited by Elliot GB. Our associate editor is Martin Alvarez. Our theme song and additional music are by Oliver Hymack. Our cover art was done by Neil Fraser with photography by Matt Mazisco. Social media by Dia Villegas. Please write a review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can. You can send any questions, comments, newly friend game suggestions, or tea suggestions to steepcombos at gmail.com or tweet us at steepcombos. I'm Josh Lanzette, and you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Josh Lanzette. We'll be back next week. So until then, happy steeping. Yeah, my dad played um, for the University of Boulder basketball. 
That's so cool. But he was on acid and he kept showing up with one shoe and they kicked him off the team. That's like his claim to fame. 